You guys, happy Thanksgiving week. My interview today is with my friend Celeste Davis, and she is going to be talking about how to have fun in your marriage and how to enjoy sex and intimacy more. So especially with the holidays coming up, how to remember to have fun even when you have a whole bunch of people coming to stay with you and you're hosting and cooking and cleaning and running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Do not forget to add fun with your spouse into the equation and we shouldn't ever be too busy for sex, right? So without further ado, I'm just going to let you listen to this incredible episode with my friend Celeste Davis. Hello and welcome to On the Brighter Side. I'm your host, Monica Tanner, and I'm super excited about my guest today. She was one of the presenters of the Epic Marriage Summit, and I have continued to watch her and enjoy her content and was really excited when she agreed to be on the podcast as well to talk about some of her areas of expertise. So excited to introduce you to Celeste Davis. Hey, Celeste, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. Good. I thought you could start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family. Sure. I have been married to my husband for 11 years. We have four kids, ages nine to one, and we live in Spokane, Washington. Fun. Tell us what your biggest challenge you've had personally to overcome in your marriage. This is going to start difficult. (laughs) Oh, no problem. The biggest challenge for me has been remembering that there is always something that I can control, meaning I think the temptation with marriage problems is thinking that we're just stuck or that the problems with our partner and I've gotten stuck in that mentality many times throughout my marriage and so just always having to remember wait there is something that I can do about this there's something I can communicate or improve in my own life or something that can change so learning that lesson I've had to relearn that lesson many 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 times I love that it's very empowering so what's been the biggest blessing that has come in your marriage or that you've noticed from being married so my philosophy of marriage is that people often sort of promote marriage or advertise marriage as this fulfilling of our needs or, you know, meeting our soulmate and then never having to be lonely again or having someone to make us happy all the time. But I actually think marriage is the best people growing machine that we have. That's a quote from David Schnarch, but it's basically the best mechanism to show our own faults to ourselves. <laughs> it's kind of the best mirror we have for personal improvement. And so my marriage problems has shown me more of my own faults than I would ever, ever have been aware of if I had been single all these years. And it's forced me to confront them and to do the hard inner work of deep self-improvement. And I'm so, so grateful for that. I love it. Well, now that we've gotten to know you and we've gotten you vulnerable, you have a really educational Instagram account that I absolutely love to follow and a really fun podcast that you do with your husband. So tell us how you got started in this whole area of expertise of marriage and improving marriage. I always tell the story a little differently. We'll see how it comes out today. But (laughs) about five years ago now, maybe a little more, I just got this idea to start. I wanted, I had wanted to start a blog for a while. We had a silly family blog, but Rich is a good writer. I like to write. And we thought about maybe like making a book writing blog or like some kind of different kind of blog. And then I was just like, why don't we start a marriage blog? And immediately we were both like, we're not that good at marriage. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. 
are we to like tell other people what to do? And so at first it was just, but we just, at least I just jumped in with two feet. And at first it was just all interviews and experiments. So we would host like monthly love experiments. We'd invite people to join in on different things we were doing. And then we would report back on how it affected our marriage. So that's kind of how it started. And it was fun. And then as the years have gone past, I am, an, I love reading. So I've read a lot of marriage books and I kind of have owned my expertise through the years and then ended up getting trained by the Gottman Institute. And so now I just kind of, I still do interviews and we still do experiments, but I also kind of own that I have a lot of knowledge now in this area. Oh, I love it. So you mentioned that you're certified in the Gottman method. Tell us who John Gottman is in case we've been living under a rock or something and what you learned about marriage in this training. Great. So I have known about John Gottman for years and years and years because I got my undergrad in sociology and my master's degree in sociology. And John Gottman was and is just a god among social science researchers because no one is getting his kind of results when it comes to predicting human behavior. Human behavior just is not that. You can't predict it with this kind of level of certainty that John Gottman has been able to accomplish in his love lab. So he's able to predict divorce in a couple. So he like takes into his love lab, asks them to fight. <laughs> records them, monitors them, and he's able to predict whether that couple will be divorced within seven years with 95% accuracy, which is really, really insane. Do you think he can really do this? I mean, how does he do that? Yeah, he's been published, I mean, hundreds of times with his incredible results. That's why he's gotten the worldwide acknowledgments that he has because his his research is really, really solid. And well, I mean, he says it comes down to recognizing four things. He calls them the four horsemen of the apocalypse that predict divorce and that contempt, criticism, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And so he monitors blood rates. He, I mean, like blood pressure and heart rate and all sorts of things when, when couples are fighting. So it's pretty incredible. So interesting. So what did you learn training with him? Like what was the most significant thing you learned from that training? So the training that I'm trained on is basically all based off of his book, The Seven Principles to Make Marriage Work, which I've read way before I had a marriage blog. And since I had it, I, it's the the first book I recommend to people is like the basically textbook of the foundation of marriage, <laughs> kind of like his techniques. My favorite of his techniques, I think that I find myself recommending a lot is his work on gridlock. When you are gridlocked with your partner on an issue, which everybody is at some point where you just cannot reach an agreement, whether the number of kids you want or what kind of house you want to buy or where you want to move, whatever it is. And you seek first to understand or you seek for solutions. It sounds really obvious except for that almost all of us do it the exact opposite. <laughs> we want to get our way. We want to be convincing. We want to be persuasive. We don't want to listen. We think we understand. But he recommends this practice where you take 15 minutes each. And when you're the listener, your only goal is to understand. You can't read, can't come back with a rebuttal. You can't come back with a but if. You have to only ask questions for understanding and make sure you understand. It's just a super helpful technique. Rich and I have used it tons of times. And you'd be surprised that often, if even if there's not a solution, coming to a mutual understanding will be more important for your marriage than a solution. Oh, so cool. Okay, we well, also have this really fun podcast I want you to tell us about because I love the idea, the context behind it. I think it is so fun. So tell us how you got that idea and what the podcast is about. Sure. So the podcast, this is another thing Rich and I have, Rich and I, we have discovered are at our best when we're doing something creative together. So we've talked about doing a podcast on various things for a long time. And when I got into, you know, marriage work, I was like, let's do a 
marriage podcast. And Rich is like, I could not. Like, those are so boring. <laughs> not my style. We, Rich and I have complete opposites to podcast preferences. He listens to podcasts just to be entertained. So he listens to like hour and a half long comedy podcasts. And I listen to podcasts to be educated <laughs> and uplifted and informed. And those are like, he doesn't, he would not listen to those. So we kind of, one time on a drive together on a road trip, he came up with the idea of marriage karaoke. What if we gave therapy to love songs that gave bad advice and then rewrote the love song to be more emotionally healthy and then he would perform the new and improved song. So, and I was kind of like, okay. And then when he called it marriage therapy, like therapy and karaoke, I was like, yes, this is a good, this is a good thing. So it sort of scratches both of our itches of he can be creative and funny and he brings that to the table and I can bring all of the research that I have read about and that kind of stuff to the table. So it works pretty good. Oh, it's perfect. Perfect. Okay. So this month on your Instagram account, you've been talking a lot about having fun in your marriage, which I think is a concept that so many marriages overlook, especially in the childbearing years. You just get busy creating your career and having your children and you forget that this is supposed to be fun. So what can you teach us about having fun in your marriage that you've learned kind of over this month? This has been pretty eye-opening to me, honestly, just getting people's feedback this month because fun is not something that I've ever spent a significant chunk of time discussing on my blog through the years. It's been mentioned, but I haven't really put it in the spotlight. And man, this is, I have gotten so much feedback of all being like, yes, this is it. This is what we've been missing. Like, I need this. And it's just funny because it sounds so obvious. Like, have fun. Like, have fun together. Like, schedule fun together. And it's like blowing people's minds. Why didn't I think of this? Because I think when we're, especially if we're in the thick of really hard marriage problems, we think we have to solve them with really hard conversations and deep inner work and you do but also like laughing together regularly is its own really good form of therapy and if you're regularly having fun together chances are your marriage is going pretty well but most of us just get so caught up in productivity and the to-dos and parenting these days has become so demanding especially little kids yeah like you said that fun is just not even on our radar it's just total back burner or it's only something that we get to do if we earn it with our productivity, right? And so most of us just kind of have taken it out of our lives as adults and we really need to pri- to fight for it. It's weird how much we have to fight to put it into our lives. Like it should just be, when we're kids, you don't have to fight for fun. You just make everything fun. You just do fun. That's what you do as a kid. And then as adults, it's weird how, you, how much intentionality it takes to make your life fun. Yeah, I totally agree with you about the laughter. I think that laughter, you know, you hear people say laughter is the best medicine. We just went to a comedy show and he's like, no, medicine is the best medicine. But the thing I love about laughing with your spouse is it gets those endorphins going and you don't even have to be laughing at each other. Like it's not even a prerequisite that one of you are funny. But Ben and I just got back from this comedy show in Vegas and we laughed so hard together at this comedy show. And the sound of his laughter, like when he laughs out loud is probably my favorite sound ever. But I'm not even kidding you. Like, I mean, we had a pretty strong marriage going into that comedy show, but coming out 
of it. I mean, we were like holding hands and laughing and talking about the jokes that we thought were funny. And still days later, we st- I still like, I'll just, we'll be laying in bed and I'll just start laughing. I'm like, remember when he was talking about that? And we just start laughing again. And those endorphins and like the chemicals that that creates, they kind of imprint on each other. And so if you're laughing together, even if you're not laughing at each other, I think it's the connection is as strong as if you go bungee jumping or skydiving together because you get those chemicals going and it really bonds you together. But see, I will never go bungee jumping or skydiving. So comedy shows are great for me or a, a romantic comedy or just anything where you can have a shared experience that brings those emotions and chemicals of laughter out. So true. I love how you said you don't have to be funny people. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think like I'm realizing this month and talking about this people like, but we're not silly or but we're not we don't have fun personalities, right? Yeah. Like we're not fun people. (laughs) It's funny people characterize themselves as that. But the important thing is that you just kind of take inventory of what you like to do and what you think is fun and funny or what you think is fun together and whether that's you know looks different from every other couple you know or whether you think that maybe doesn't even count as fun or funny like just do what you love and do what you love together no matter if it's whatever it is right like Rich and I one of our most bonding things for sure is just having friends over having a game night because we find ourselves we're just cracking up and we especially if we have games that require wit or I don't know funny things and we're like just our cheeks hurt we're laughing so hard and sometimes you think oh I need to be alone or go on this big vacation together or whatever and we're like we bond the most when we're with other people and that's our that's not your thing but find your thing and do it (laughs) totally no I totally agree so once a month my husband owns his own company and we stuff statements like bills and it's super boring and not enjoyable (laughs) but we always turn on either a show that we really enjoy or a comedy or something to uplift you know and so we can make something a task that's so mundane and frankly awful because all these people owe us money, right? And so we're like, oh, this task sucks, right? But we're watching something funny. And so it's an enjoyable, it's something that he could outsource very easily, but he never has because we enjoy doing it together, even though it's horrible. Nice. That's great. Okay. So awesome. So have fun together. So this episode is going to air the week of Thanksgiving. And I'm just thinking of all these people who are hosting their family and they've got in-laws that they don't like and they're rushing around trying to get everything ready for Thanksgiving dinner and they're going to be stressed. So give us some tips or ideas of how we can remember to stop and have a good time even when we are in the thick of stress. Great question. I think the first tip is just don't take everything so seriously because it can seem like that is so stressful, especially if you're hosting and you're cleaning and you're cooking and you're trying to keep the kids from eating everything or paint or whatever it is and you're yelling at your spouse to do whatever it is or stop being lazy that is so stressful so I like to actually start every Thanksgiving I started this last year I'm going to do it again this year on my feed it's just something simple called spouse giving and you start Thanksgiving by making a list of like 28 things or whatever day Thanksgiving's on the 28th yeah 28 things that you're grateful for your spouse and you just hand them that paper so it starts the day off on the right foot and hopefully it has the right atmosphere in the room where you're on the same team you're not enemies <laughs> and then with this stress with other fa- with the family members just thinking you know what one day this will be 
be a great story. <laughs> Not taking it so seriously when it's like, oh my gosh, did she just say that or whatever. Totally. So I'm sure when you're like, okay, it's really important to have fun in your marriage, you start getting all these objections. Like you just said, we're not silly and we're not funny. And tell me some of the biggest objections you get from people on why they're not having fun in their marriages and how you overcome those objections. Okay. Good question. The biggest one just in people's lives is that they don't have time for fun. That's a a huge one. And again, I get this a lot with people with little kids is just that they're so exhausted by the end of the day. They don't, they do not have the bandwidth for fun. And fun is just something that I think we just have our priorities all out of whack and we forget that we're here to have joy and that life shouldn't be this daily drudge of getting our to-do list done, right? We should reserve some of our energy to do the things we love and to do the things we love with our spouse. So the other major, that's just a realignment kind of mentally of like, you know what, this is important and I give myself permission to have fun even if the house is a mess, even if I have an inbox full of emails I haven't responded to. It's important to make something enjoyable out of this day and so screw it, we're going on a hike or we're taking some time to do whatever it is we love. And then together with your spouse, another main objection is that you have fun, different ideas of fun, right? What's fun to your spouse is not the thing that is fun to you and vice versa. So this one is just kind of, you have to go in with this mentality, not that like, okay, we'll do your fun thing. Then we get to do my fun thing. And I'm only going to sit through your fun thing so that we, then we can do my fun thing. This like sort of (laughs) tit for tat transaction. But remember that you're on the same team and your goal is connection with your spouse. And so, you know, be willing to do what they think is fun and then do what you think is fun. And hopefully have a little Venn diagram where you find some things in the middle that you both think are fun and maximize those things. It'll take intentionality. It'll take some time, but I think there's things that we all can find that we both enjoy. Oh, so good. Okay. We're going to totally change tax for just a second. You have a segment on your Insta stories called sex tip Wednesday. And that the first time I watched that, I was like, Oh, this is good. This is so good. You've gotten really good at talking about all the different aspects of sex. My question is, has this always come really easy for you? Or did you have to practice saying some words in the mirror so that you didn't blush on camera when you're like talking to the entire universe about sex? Oh my gosh, you have no idea how much I love this question. <laughs> I feel like you must know me some way. Just by <laughs> because yes, it has been a journey. And I still get so embarrassed because I started out, you know, I still am just a good Christian girl. And we don't talk about these things. And even for years on my blog, I was like, I will not talk about sex. I will talk about mindset. I will talk about date night. I will talk about communication. I will not talk about sex. That is not me. And then everybody just kept asking me to talk about it. Like I got these emails. I would fill out surveys. Everyone's like, my sex life is a mess. So I was like, okay, I'll do a month's worth of sex posts. And I wouldn't even call it sex. I would call it intimacy because I couldn't (laughs) say the word. (laughs) This was like four years ago. And then I just had an experience where Rich and I took a three month period where we really, really, really worked on our sex lives. We read, I read like five sex books by sex therapists and we did it a lot and we did all the like worksheets where we decided what he liked and what I liked and why and our pasts and we did all the work and honestly like it changed my life like I had no idea that I liked sex as much as I did after those three months like I it made every aspect of my life better I became more fun Rich and I it was like we were dating again there was just this passion that was like brought into my life that I could never have foreseen and I think just the energy I just wanted to take people by the shoulders and be like did you know that a good sex life could do this to you like your life will be so much better so much better like I had no idea I just like had this energy where I like had to tell people about it because it was such a revelation to me it was honestly so shocking to me first to know that I actually liked sex because 
I didn't ever think I did. And second, just to know what a good sex life could do for the rest of your life, that I was like, I have to be talking about this because there's so many misconceptions about how you improve your sex life. Well, so. I just have to share this with you because I have read countless numbers of books and listened to podcasts about sex. And I get a ton of questions because of the work I do with marriage. And I literally consider you as one of my go-tos because you do such a good job of making it really bite-sized and really understandable and straightforward. And so I just love that you do that. So I'm wondering if you can share with us your top tips for improving desire or pleasure when having sex. Great question. Okay. Well, I see your sex life as kind of like a pyramid with three different sections and the behavior aspect, that's the very tip of the pyramid, the tip of the iceberg, if you will, the part that you can see. And the biggest problem, the biggest misconception in improving our sex lives is that it's all a behavioral problem. And so it's all going to be solved at the level of behavior. Meaning what do we need to do to improve our sex life? Well, I guess we need to learn some new techniques or I need to buy some lingerie or we need to like spice it up in some way. When really, if you really see serious about improving your sex life. You have to go under the iceberg. You have to go deeper. And so the very base of the pyramid is your beliefs and your beliefs about sex in general, whether you think that it's dirty or unnecessary or shameful or only for men or only for young people or only for pretty skinny people <laughs> <laughs> and your beliefs about yourself and whether you're, you think you are undesirable or your body image issues, or you think of yourself as not a sexual person or whatever. And your sex and your beliefs about your marriage and your partner and whether you think they are desirable or your relationship problems big time play into your sex life. And then the middle chunk is your thoughts and expectations. And it's basically how present you're able to be in your body and then how your expectations are forming your experiences. So if you're serious about improving your sex life, you have to start with your mind. So good. There's so much to unpack there, but we don't have the time. So I'm going to have to send everybody to your Instagram account to listen to your sex tip Wednesday. All right. So if you had, and you knew this question was coming, the undivided attention of all the married couples in all the world, what is the most important thing you could teach them about strengthening their marriage through fun and sex? Ooh, through fun and sex. I threw um, a curveball at you because I always ask that question, but. <laughs> I'm honestly preparing to answer the question without the through fun and sex part. <laughs> <laughs> nope, we had to make it tougher for you. <laughs> okay, let me think. Well, what I was going to say, I'll weave fun and sex into it. But what I was going to say is basically what I just described with the pyramid about improving our sex life, that same pyramid also goes for our married life. And so a lot of times we want to blame all our marriage problems on our communication or our interactions together, our finances, our in-laws or whatever our problems are, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. And almost always our marriage problems, if you dig deeper, is some issue of self-worth or integrity or not knowing how to deal with negative emotions or shame or these things that take deep inner work. And so if we really again, are serious about improving our marriages, we have to do the work ourselves. Our spouse can't do it and we can't do it for them. We can only do it for ourselves. So we have to do that work. And what that's whether or not we're going to stay married or get divorced or whatever, we still have to do the inner work no matter what. So, but that doesn't have to be all doom and gloom, right? We need to do that work. But at the same time, if we're having fun, if we're having good sex, then we're going to be able to all put it all into perspective. So it doesn't have to be so gloomy and serious, I guess. <laughs> mm, so good. I love it. So tell Tell my listeners where they can find you and learn more from you and listen to the podcast.
podcast and all that good stuff. Sure. My handle is Marriage Laboratory. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Marriage Laboratory. My website is marriagelaboratory.com. And our podcast is called Marriage Theriogi, like the world's hardest word to spell because it's not a word. It's T-H-E-R-A-O-K-E. I hope I just spelled that right. <laughs> Actually, I think it's an O for the A. Whatever. Look it up on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We're on all of the things. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure we link to that so people can actually find that. And thank you so much for your time today. This has been so fun. You're welcome. Okay. So many great things to unpack in that episode with Celeste. I just love the way she describes and talks about different aspects of marriage, both on her Instagram account, in her podcast, and everything that she does. Love, love, love Celeste. So a few key things to note is the importance of laughter and having fun. Even if things aren't going exactly the way you'd hoped for in your marriage, even if there's problems, even if you're struggling with some sort of issue with one of your kids or something like that, don't discount the positive effects of laughter and having fun with your spouse, even if everything isn't perfect. I, from personal experience, can tell you that laughter is so good for your relationship in whatever form it comes in. My husband and I love comedy. In fact, while we were recording this interview, I was laughing because my husband literally sent me a text with a link to a YouTube video of our favorite comedian and said, watch this. It's so funny. The thing I love about comedy and jokes is not only do they make us laugh and they get all of those endorphins up, but they also become shared experiences and inside jokes. And when you have fun with your spouse or you see something funny together, it becomes kind of an inside joke or a shared experience that really can bond you together like nothing else. And not only does that work amazingly well for you and your spouse, but it also works so great with your kids and your family. I mean, think of your most funniest experiences growing up. Were they on a family vacation where something either awful or funny happened to your whole family and you can get together years and years and years later and bring up that incident and all still laugh about it? Those are the things that bind families together. So make sure you're having fun with your spouse and then make sure that that fun is carrying over into your family because the cheap or free fun that you have and those experiences that you create with your family is what is going to bind you together. And it's the things that you and your children will be talking about for years and years and years. The other thing that we talked about in this episode, which is sex, has so many benefits. And I don't feel like we have the time in this episode for me to go through all the positive benefits of having a really healthy and robust sex life will have on you, your personal health, as well as the health of your relationship. But that's an easy thing to Google. Just look up benefits of a healthy sex life and you will be blown away by all of the positive effects that that can have on your health and on your well-being. I had so much fun with Celeste and my interview next week is just as fun. I asked my friend Nate Bagley to come on and he is going to talk to us all about communication within marriage and having difficult conversations. That's kind 
kind of his area of expertise. So join us next week for Nate. And if you're looking for additional support in your marriage, you are welcome to join our On the Brighter Side of Marriage Facebook group, where I've had both Celeste and Nate come on and do lives with us about their areas of expertise. And those have gotten such great feedback, not necessarily in the group, but I've gotten emails just thanking me for having them come in and speak in the group. So search for On the Brighter Side of Marriage Facebook group and join that group because there's a lot of great information happening in there as well. So between now and next week, have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving break. Enjoy your family. Remember to have fun with your spouse and all of those little seemingly disastrous things that happen. Remember to laugh about them. They will be great stories later. Do not take it too seriously because life is too short for that. And until we meet again next week, have courage, be kind, and stay on the brighter side.